37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody, and welcome on back to Pixelated Paranormal, episode 102. Shit, it'll be 200 before you know it. Gosh, I can't even imagine that many. Yeah. That'll be what, about a year from now? Yeah, give or take. Two years, probably, maybe? A uh, year and a half. Year and a half you're going with? Okay, that's fair. Yeah. That is fair. Well, uh, this episode is going to be pretty much straight to the good stuff. We don't have any news to share, and we uh, we had a listener story submitted back in, at the tail end of March, right before yeah. we went down to Omaha. And Micah wrote in, and of course, we've talked about Micah before. He's one of the you know dudes that we got to meet down there in Omaha, or up there in Omaha, rather. And uh, so, listener and friend of the show... Micah wrote in about the Black Angel of Council Bluff. So basically you're saying we're not going to get to Thieves in the Night Part 3. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's going to have to be an episode of just you recounting what we talked about the first two episodes of that series. <laughs> and uh, then a long discussion on should we ever do a three-parter ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was looking at the books I'm going to pack to take with me to Colorado this weekend, and I was like, oh, I should probably go ahead and bring Thieves in the Night and finish reading that so we can, you know, put a put a pin in that story. <laughs> and I looked back and realized that was like, I don't know, six, ten episodes ago when we last spoke of it. So we'll wrap that up one of these days and then reevaluate how we do uh, multi-part shows. Probably we will do them back to back. Dude, that sounds like a plan. <laughs> but yeah, short answer, no. We are not going to get to Thieves in the Night, although <laughs> I will deeply consider doing that on episode 104. I think that would work out pretty well. I wish, okay. you know, with... What's that? I said okay. I can Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you had something deeper to say. Um, had I known this ahead of time, we could have planned and actually released that... Uh, that episode this week, because tomorrow for us, because we're recording this Monday night, mm-hmm. Tuesday, July 2nd, is Worldwide UFO Day. Oh, shit. Yeah, I found that out yesterday, so there's that. This episode has nothing to do with UFOs at all. But what it does have to do with is really bizarre, dare I say, haunted statuary. Dun, dun, dun. And while that may not sound like, you know, a topic that will have you guys on the edge of your seat, I fully think we've curated a show that will bring some heat. Yeah, and uh, me doing a really shitty accent. Oh, (laughs) well, that's going to put the asses in the chairs. (laughs) Uh, Come for Preston being offensive, stay for the stories. (laughs) Well, Micah wrote in uh, back before we got a chance to meet. This is back on March 28th. He wrote in, hey, guys, in case you were looking for a quick little snippet, here's a haunted statue that's about a mile away from my house. I've never had anything paranormal related to the statue happen, but I have asked a bartender about it shortly after I moved here. And she said her friend hugged the statue one night and then totaled his truck on the way home shortly after. 
And so that, you know, obviously uh, piqued our ears and we wanted to get to it. But we'd never really had anywhere to fit the story into that wouldn't have just been really, you know, uh, what do you call that word? Juxtaposed? Yeah, it would have been a... would have been really out of place like uh, everything else we talk about in yeah. hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fun. Well, let me uh, let me make sure I got the right It would have been out of place like uh, mustard on a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Ew. Hey, speaking of sandwiches, have you ever heard of people making a peanut butter and onion sandwich? No, that sounds disgusting. It sounds terrible, and our friend Aaron makes them and swears by them. I don't know. No. no. We had that peanut butter burger up there in Omaha. Yeah, that was actually pretty good. Yeah, it was good enough that I went and had another one in uh, Oklahoma City like a month ago. Guys, if you ever get a chance to go to the garage, it's like a burger joint, beer and burgers and stuff. Trust me. Trust us on this. Pixelated paranormal stamp of approval Get the Sticky Fingers Burger. It is the hamburger of your choice. This is not a paid advertisement. Hamburger of your choice, be it turkey, beef, or whatever, bison. And then they slather on chunky peanut butter, cheese, and then like a jalapeno relish. Yeah. And listen, if if I tell you one bit of advice, it's this. Tell them to give you extra peanut butter and extra jalapeno relish. And you know it's not overly peanut buttery. It, it reminds right. me of like uh, when you eat like Oriental dishes and they use toasted sesame seed oil. Like it, it just gives this nice nuttiness to the palate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's an excellent way of describing that. <laughs> Has nothing to do with statuary, but like we said, when does any of this have to do with anything? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get back at it. The Black Angel of Council Bluff. This is a statue or a memorial statue in a cemetery called Fairview Cemetery up in Iowa. So I'm I'm assuming this is going to be the border of Iowa and Nebraska because it's got to be close to where, you know, Micah and everybody lives, but anyway, So the Black Angel of Council Bluffs is a memorial statue to a woman who passed away, you know, a hundred years ago or more. And it's in the Fairview Cemetery near the edge of the property near Council Bluffs in Iowa. Now, the statue itself has kind of a a very interesting history behind it. So we're going to start with that. And the story begins with Ruth Ann Brown and her husband, Greenville Mellon Dodge. Now, Dodge himself was a pretty distinguished man. During the Civil War, he became the commander of the 4th Iowa Infantry, quickly rising through the ranks of the military from captain to colonel to general. When the war ended in 1865, he returned back to Council Bluff, or the Council Bluffs, and eventually took a job as a surveyor and chief engineer for the Union Pacific Railroad. And while he was there, he met this nice, cute little spunky woman named Ruth. And Ruth was really well known for being outspoken. She would stand up, you know, for the downtrodden. She would speak her mind against men and and to men in a time that that was really not well received. And so these two hit it off really well. And the guy, you know, being a colonel and a general and, and all those things I mentioned before, he really wouldn't settle for anyone less than a woman 
of this caliber. You know, he really, she really kept him on his toes. They had a very long life. They loved each other to pieces, and they really just made this dynamic couple. So they go on to raise three daughters, Letty, Eleanor, and Anne. And then unfortunately, in January of 1916, General Dodge died. And he left behind him his wife and three daughters. And as they're mourning and they're trying to get over, you know, the loss of their husband and their father, Ruth has this really weird dream. And in the dream, she's standing on a rocky shoreline, you know, on this beach, and she's shrouded by fog and and smoke and mist. And all of a sudden, in the distance, this ancient-looking boat makes its way up towards her. And as the fog kind of clears, she sees this beautiful woman standing on the boat, and she's kind of waving, um you know, kind of motioning for Ruth to come towards her. And as the boat gets closer, she sees the woman holding a big bowl in her hand. And the bowl just has this water running over the edges constantly, almost like a fountain. And when she gets close enough, the woman, who Ruth goes on to say must have been an angel, offers the bowl to her and says, Drink, I bring you both a promise and a blessing. Now, Ruth Dodge chooses not to drink, and she wakes up. And she goes on to tell her daughter of this bizarre dream, and she says, I wasn't yet ready for this supreme blessing. I felt unworthy, and it seemed to me that it would be a presumption on my part to partake in anything so wonderfully pure, so heavenly, and so spiritual. So perplexed by the dream, she goes on as a widow, raising her three daughters, and then she starts to have the dream again. The dream comes a second time, and it's the same deal. The boat rides up to the shore. The angel offers her a drink from the bowl, promising everlasting life, and Ruth turns it away a second time. Now, one night, she has a dream for a third time, but this time she finally realizes there has to be something more to this. Maybe this is an offer of the angel to maybe get to see my husband again. So in the dream, she leans forward, and she takes a drink from the bowl. And when she wakes up, she feels completely transformed. She feels like she's been, you know, completely transformed into this new glorious spiritual being. And she says, I drank the wonderful water of life, and it gave me immortality. But unfortunately, she died in September of 1917. So not even a year after her husband passed away, she too passed away. So this statue that's in Council Bluffs in the cemetery was a memorial that her daughters made for her of the supposed angel. And the statue stands like eight feet tall, and one hand kind of beckons you forward while the other hand holds this bowl. And I believe at one point it was actually a fountain, and water would, you know, kind of, you know, draw off the top of it and spill over the edges. And here's a fun fact. The artist who made this statue actually is the same artist who made the Lincoln Memorial in Washington. His name was Daniel Chester French. Holy shit, and that thing's supposed to be haunted with like some uh, black spectral cat that runs around it at night and scares the fuck out of people. Yeah, puma or something, right? Yeah. Well, we should probably uh, dive a little deeper into old uh, Mr. French here, because maybe he just makes haunted statuary. So the statue was dedicated to their mother, Ruth, in 1920. And so the statue stands proudly in the cemetery, although it is not an actual gravestone, however, because Ruth and General Dodge are buried about two miles away from Fairview. 
But something strange started happening with this statue. People would drive by the cemetery and walk by late at night, you know, and they'd report that this statue would have glowing red eyes, like two fiery embers were placed in its eye sockets. And as they'd get closer, those eyes would kind of fizzle out. Just as they're about to get close enough to figure out what's going on, the, the ember kind of dies away. And so people will turn and walk away, and they can swear that as they leave, they can hear big, giant wings flapping behind them. Other people have said that at midnight, the statue is said to walk off of the pedestal and roam the cemetery, welcoming brand new spirits and brand new bodies that have been buried to the cemetery. So she's kind of like a welcome wagon or a, a motherly type of uh, specter. But all of a sudden, um, you know, in the 60s and 70s, these rumors started approaching, uh, I'm sorry, these rumors, these rumors started getting spread that um, children were disappearing in the cemetery. And I couldn't find any actual historical, you know, stories backing this up, but that's part of the folklore is that children would go to the cemetery to play hide and seek and they'd run and hide behind the statue of the angel and then they would disappear. And so as the 80s approach, um, the patina has begun to wear off of the statue and the bronze has turned into dark black and the water has stopped flowing from the fountain portion of the bowl and it's become kind of rusty and dirty. So that's why she's called the Black Angel. But with her also comes a curse because it's said that if you approach her at midnight, her eyes will glow like fire and you will receive some kind of curse. And maybe that's what happened to this bartender's friend that Micah was mentioning here. You know, he uh, approached the statue, gave it a hug, and then wrecked his truck. We don't know. But it's really, really interesting nonetheless. And then the other side of the coin of the folklore is that every year on the anniversary of Ruth's death, the black angel takes a step off of the podium and begins flying around the cemetery shooting fire out of her eyes while she screams and terrorizes the cemetery. <laughs> huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, your story blends into my story very nicely. Well, I'm not, I'm not done just yet because as I was doing some research here, it turns out, Micah, and, and all you guys up in Nebraska and, and Iowa, there's another black angel in Iowa. On the other side of the state of Iowa, in the uh, Oakland Cemetery, there is also a black angel. And this one was put there as a memorial to a young boy and a father who both died that supposedly were murdered by their mother and wife named Teresa. Apparently, um, the mother developed some kind of mental illness and she murdered her son and buried him in the cemetery underneath this statue. And then later on, a few years later, she murdered her husband. And supposedly, the ghost of this angel haunts the cemetery as well. So as you do more digging, you're going to find that um, there's actually two black angels up there in, uh, in, in Council Bluff area. But what's weird about this statue is a lot of people claim the woman who murdered her family was a witch. And the statue that was put up of this angel is a bit more menacing because traditionally in statuary, and maybe you can attest to this too, Preston, angel statues generally are looking upwards or forwards, welcoming people and helping, you know, usher people into the heavens upwards. Uh-huh, yep. And the black angel at this cemetery is looking down 
with her dun, arms dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, with her arms and her wings blocking the transcendence of spirits from you know the cemetery to the heaven so people believe that Teresa might have actually been a witch killed her husband and her son and in some kind of weird ceremony used their souls for something and then put this statue up to protect uh, or I'm sorry to prevent their spirits from leaving their bodies in the cemetery and going to heaven and then uh, to further that, on a side note, apparently in 2013, the Sci-Fi Channel series Haunted Highway visited the Oakland Cemetery, and apparently the film crew captured a number of odd sounds and visual anomalies. And their thermal cameras, even though it was a very cold evening, found a hot heat signature surrounding her in the cold air of the night. So now we'll get into your sir. <laughs> oh, good. So you would, uh, you know, text me, hey, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this story um, that uh, you know Micah had sent us, and uh, what are you gonna talk about? I'm like, dude, I don't fucking know. Like, what the fuck right. goes with statue? And you're like, well, I got one about the cat skills, and uh, and then I'm like, ooh, I know a lot about that one. And then I'm like, well, you know, let me see what I can find. So I Google search haunted statues and didn't get dick. <laughs> now that's good because you found a haunted dick statue. This yeah. would be a whole different show. It'd be a whole different show. And then um, I I kind of narrowed my Google search and I came across like haunted Graceland. So there's a bunch of angel statues in uh you know the Graceland Cemetery uh, mm-hmm. that are haunted and basically you find like all these. Stories about just angel statues and cemeteries being haunted and blah blah blah. I'm like, well, that's just kind of lame. We, don't, you know, those those are just normal everyday stories. We need to do better than that. <laughs> so right. I I, I re Google searched and used some different wording, and I came across a bizarre um, incident that happened in Ireland in Ballinspital County, Cork. In Ireland, in 1985, when a strange phenomenon of moving statues occurred. Now, it's been observed um, in that uh, village, what do they, what do they, what do they call their, do they call them villages, towns? I don't know what they call them. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say village or township, maybe. Um, That a statue of the Virgin Mary moved it was witnessed in uh 30 locations around ireland so this wasn't the only one but this was the one that was the most you know profound and over a hundred thousand people visited ballenspittal alone to pray and stare at the figure so it became a phenomenon in the 80s so i was able to find um some testimony from people in the village And one of them was Sergeant John Murray, and he said the following. One morning, I went up there and checked out the statue. I felt like someone was playing tricks on me, and I was amazed to find no wires or trickery there at all. I was so convinced this was a hoax, I had searched behind the statue and also tried to move it. It wouldn't budge. But in July 1985, I saw something physically impossible at the grotto. I saw the concrete statue of Our Lady floating in May air. Not rocking, but floating. 
huh. floating in mid-air feet above the ground. Huh. Huh. Are there any, so, any pictures of this, to your knowledge? No, but I mean, I'll, I'll Google search it again and see if I can find some pictures of her. Now, another guy, John Miller, came forward. And he said, it's been nearly 35 years since my mother came home from bingo uh, to say that everyone was talking about the moving statues. It was late on August, uh, on an August evening in 1985, but intrigued by gossip, John and his mother, Lily, decided to drive the short distance from their home in Mona Sturvin to the local grotto. John was 20 at the time, and he recalls now utter, utterly skeptical about the idea that when his mother told him the holy statues were reported to be moving in the villages, uh, but they're like, fuck it, we're going we're gonna to go and check it out. So they got there, and he's... And, he says, I said to my mother that if it was a fucking happening all over the place, it should be happening here. Mammy <laughs> said we should go up to the grotto and see. So <laughs> we went up uh, in the car and pulled in. We weren't there for five minutes when it, at the same time we bo both saw the statue turning. It was turning to the right towards the railway, but it wasn't the statue itself that was moving. It seemed to be a figure that came down and made itself appear as it was moving as if it was something as if something was super superimposed on the statue it frightened the bejesus out of me laddie and i didn't <laughs> believe it i said to my mom don't open your mouth they returned home he says he got into bed and prayed and prayed the hair stood up on his head and but word got out of the miller's experience crowds started to appear people were seeing different images and some reported that they saw the devil instead of Our Lady with tears rolling down her face. Pentecostal Protestants attacked the statue with a hammer and said, fuck you, not in my village, and smashed it the fuck up. Which <laughs> probably did the trick because the other nine, uh, 29 statues decided not to move. Uh, Ball and Spittle was featured in a BBC travel program. Patricia Bowen, who was part of the Grotto Maintenance Committee, said that she had seen the face of Jesus appear over the, the statue on several occasions. She also reported that people say they saw lights that caused the, the statue uh, to move, but light couldn't make the face change to that of our Lord. The Department of Applied Psychology in University Cork concluded it was optical illusions caused by people standing and swaying. Others thought it was caused by staring at an object in twilight or a mass um, existential angst brought on by social stress or that of staring at the halo-like lights around the statue's head with moths flying around them. One woman thought that she had seen birds flying in and out of Mary's crowns. Uh, ball and Spittle's business boon, public toilets were erected uh, to, to uh, you know, take on all the new people. Footpaths were built. Fast food vans couldn't keep up with the demand uh, for the grotto burgers. Pilgrims bust in from Belfast and Dublin's. Bed and breakfasts were booked uh, out. And uh, it says something about RTE sent camera crews and journalists. A woman claimed to, uh, to have her hearing back after 33 years after touching the statue. She heard bells of, <laughs> of the Angelus, and a paralyzed stroke victim walked again. <gasps> then, mysteriously, after six months of the sightings, nothing. 
Everything just stopped. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So what year did it end? You said how how long did it, how long was the duration? Uh so 19 it started in the middle of 1985 so like July and so after about 6 months so like 1986 so from the the later part of 1985 to like January 1986. Wow. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. And then and then nothing. Just, nothing. Nothing. Just abruptly ended. Yeah. Huh. Well, I know, I know. There's always been a fascination with crying statues, you yeah. know, of the Virgin Mary and and whatnot, all across Europe. But I've never heard of the case of a moving statue there. Yeah, this thing was fucking floating, bro, in midair. Huh. Well, I'll be. Yeah, I've got a friend who's going to Ireland. Uh, I might have to ask him to keep an eye out for that. <laughs> <laughs> Stop by for us to take a photo. I mean, I wasn't expecting a doozy when I was Google searching, but I came across that. I was like, yeah. holy shit, that's a win. That, right, and I mean, for the 80s, that's a pretty fun period for paranormal shit to happen because, you know, we don't have a lot of the, uh, you know, we, don't, we didn't have cell phones back then. We can just quickly yeah. do some video manipulation and whatnot. So, huh, and interesting. The, and the church was very, uh, the Catholic church was very silent on it, and the only thing that they ever said in the press was all the eyewitnesses that they uh, that they gathered testimony from were yeah. credible, and that's all they would say. Really? Yep. And normally, you know, the Catholic Church denounces a lot of that shit pretty quick, so when they're quiet, it really makes you wonder a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, from haunted statues and floating statues, the main crux of this episode is a story I've never heard about, but Preston, you said you were a little familiar with this, and that is the, oh, yeah. the story of the crone statue of the Catskill Mountains. Mm-hmm. So first and foremost, it is always important to give credit where credit is due, especially when we're getting some of our uh, content or at least some of our reading from um, fellow paranormal uh, outlets Um so the story I'm about to tell you guys, I got the vast majority of the reading uh, from WeekendWeird.com because as much as I scoured Reddit, I couldn't find anything about the story on Reddit. But luckily, uh, Dana and Greg Newkirk, they have the actual... Um... Shit, how did I lose that? <laughs> they have the actual Reddit... Um account on here so I can actually give you all the details from the original Reddit story but um, if you guys haven't heard this one's pretty pretty interesting to me and Preston as I'm reading through this cut me off if you want to add to it you know if you have stuff to add because I had mm-hmm. never heard of this thing before yeah but basically back around January 9th 2016 a Reddit user who used the screen name wigged hiker Throughway or throwaway, T H R W. Okay, that's probably what it means. Throwaway. That'll make more sense here in a minute. Wigged hiker throwaway started posting on a thread in Reddit titled, Me and a friend found this creepy statue while hiking, and now strange things are going on. Anybody know what this is? And so the story starts off like this. And I'm going to read most of this because this is his words. Last week, my friend and I went hiking in the Catskills near Sundown Forest and found this really creepy statue while fucking around in some caves. 
It has nails in its eyes and a noose around its neck. It looks like it might be old. I don't think it's been there very long, but it's weird because his cave is way off the trail. Somebody had a fire there not too long ago. So they find this statue next to the remnants of a, you know, a campfire. The statue really wigged me out, but my buddy decided to take it home, even though I told him not to. That's a fucking red flag, people. <laughs> if we've ever known one. Everyone says there's devil worshippers that come out here to sacrifice animals and do their spells and that kind of shit. So I didn't want anything to do with this thing. A couple days later, my friend calls me and tells me that he thinks the statue's haunted because it keeps moving around from spot to spot and it keeps smelling weird stuff. He says he can't sleep at night because the banging noises keep him up. And now, last night, somebody knocked on his door, but when he opened it, nobody was there. So he's super weirded out, and he thinks a ghost may have followed him home with the statue. It must be a coincidence, but I think he's actually scared. Before we go set this thing on fire, I wanted to see if anybody knows what it is. Anyone ever seen something like this or heard of a statue causing ghosts? So I'll post a picture of the statue, of course, to Instagram, but it looks kind of like what I would say is a um, almost like a tiki-style wood statue carved out of wood. Um, very simple, you know, statue. It's a, a human figure, but it has a rope of a noose of rope around its neck, and then nails driven into the eye sockets where the eye should be. And uh, it's very important to point out that those nails aren't like your average hardware uh, store nails. They are right. actually railroad spikes, which are iron, and oh. iron is used to keep spirits in place. So if you want to uh, keep something contained, or if you want to keep a spirit out of something, you will mm -hmm. use iron and salt. So to use a, an iron nail oh. um, into the eyes is uh -huh. very indicative of you're keeping that spirit locked into that statue and, and keeping it you know, like unable to see. Oh yeah, what's keeping going. it kind of blinded. Yes, yes. Oh, cool. Hey, that's neat because that kind of adds to, uh, you know, the the next step of the story. So he posts this to Reddit, and of course, all of your armchair experts and all of your paranormal fans all weigh in. And you have people saying, you know, this is just some piece of shit from you know a hobby store. You have people saying this is the work of satanic cults. This is voodoo, all sorts of stuff, and of course, people offering insults, and you know, their two cents worth. So then that night, uh, the same night the guy posts the actual uh, thread, he comes back, but this time he's a little more frantic, and he has a bit more frightening update to the story. He says, my friend showed up here at like 11.30 p.m. He's out of his mind scared. I've never seen him like this before. I'm going to do my best to remember everything he just told me, because it was a lot. But long story short, he's sleeping over at my house because something is in his. Like I said, I told him not to take it because it gave me bad vibes, but he took it anyway. He's been an atheist as long as I've known him, so when he told me that something was going on, I thought he was just fucking with me, because he knows I like to watch paranormal shows, and he always makes fun of me for it. I started out... <coughs> sorry. It started out as just knocks and banging. But he said that by Wednesday, he started waking up in the middle of the night, feeling like somebody was watching him. 
This kept happening throughout the week, and every time he'd wake up, he would smell a really strong scent of pond water. He doesn't believe in any of this paranormal stuff, so he just ignored it until a few days ago, when the statue moved from his desk and into his living room. He says that every night since Thursday, it moved into a different room other than where he left it. Now, he thought that maybe it was his dog moving it around because it smelled funny. But his dog won't have anything to do with it and won't go anywhere near the statue. He says that she actually has peed in the house three nights in a row, which she never, ever does. Now, last night, somebody knocked on his door at three in the morning. But when he went to open it, there was nobody there. His motion lights weren't on, and there weren't any cars in the driveway. He said that he opened up the door to look outside, and that's when he thinks he made a big mistake. Like he just felt like he shouldn't have opened the door. That's why I made this post in the first place. At that point, I didn't have any reason not to believe him, because it had gone way beyond just a joke, and he actually sounded really, really fucking scared on the phone. He kept telling me that he was going to burn the statue because he knows that something followed him home. Anyway, he stayed up all night and then decided to go to the movies to take his mind off of it. But when he got home, he said it felt like everything was fine, and he decided to finally go to bed. So this is where we get super fucked up. He says that when he woke up, which wasn't until like 10 p.m., it was because his dog was barking like crazy. He said the pond water smell was stronger than ever, and when he went out into his hallway, he saw these muddy footprints everywhere. Not like shoe prints, but bare footprints. All of his doors and windows were locked, especially after someone had knocked on his door, and that freaked him out, so he made sure everything was locked up. So there's no fucking way anybody could have gotten inside. And then when he went back into his apartment, sitting in the living room was the fucking statue. It had moved again. And he says that this is where he started to go... And he says this is when he started to go near it, and then he heard somebody breathing. He describes it like his grandpa that had a tracheotomy tube. He peaced the fuck out, and now he and his dog are sleeping over at my house in my guest room. I've never seen him this scared, and he even started crying. I have no fucking idea what to do, I believe him because he has no reason to lie about this, because it's gone way too far to be a joke now. I know that everyone says not to burn it or whatever, so what the fuck do we do? He wants me to just go out of the house and get the statue tomorrow with him, but I'm too fucking freaked out to take it back to where we found it, because I don't want to see whoever put it there. So at this point, you know, that's kind of where the Newkirks step in. They are world famous for having the traveling museum of, was it traveling paranormal museum, Presto? Oh, yeah. And they have all sorts of, uh, they have another haunted statue called the Idol of Nightmares that they Mm -hmm. uh, named uh, Billy Idol, which is from from Africa. And um, they, they were having like, when they, when they were, acquired that statue like greg started to get the nightmares and like um you know like everything in the house the the atmosphere changed and they were at they were at like one of their conventions with the traveling museum and this black guy came up to him and uh, he was like from jamaica it was like um 
you know, the problem is I don't want to be racist, but you people are white and you don't understand like our culture. And if you were just to give him some rum and tobacco and make an offering, like he'll calm the fuck down. <laughs> and so that's what Greg did. Like they went home and like gave him some rum and tobacco and they're like, yeah, now actually Billy's pretty cool. So, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's awesome. Well, Greg and Dana, uh, when this is all going down before they had a chance to actually, you know, get involved with it. They were simultaneously filming uh, some episodes of Finding Bigfoot. And while they're doing that, some of the production team, of course, is just perusing Reddit, the paranormal subreddit, and they came across the story. So he points it out, uh, or I'm sorry, so he reaches out to this guy named supposedly Danny, the one who, you know, is the, the Reddit, the guy who's writing the story on Reddit, and says, hey, you should really think about reaching out to Greg and Dana because they specialize in this stuff. They have a museum full of these things. They know how to handle this kind of stuff, and this would not be their first rodeo, you know, by a long shot. So then the guy reaches out to Greg and kind of gives him the backstory and starts asking them, you know, what the hell should we do? What are we supposed to do with this thing? Just take it back where we found it, burn it, destroy it. What the hell are we supposed to do? So Greg reads the backstory. And tells him, you know, you definitely, you definitely don't want to burn it. Burning it or throwing it away or destroying it could have actually made things worse than it already was. So he says to the guy that, hey, listen, um, if he was truly frightened and he didn't want to actually try to, you know, take it back where they found it and they couldn't handle it, why don't you go ahead and pack it up and mail it to us and we'll deal with it and we'll see if we can find a way to return it to where it came from or at least, you know, kind of put it in quarantine. That way it can't really affect anybody anymore. So the guy sends him an email back a few days later, and he says, Thanks for the advice. Today we went back to my friend's house to get the statue to return it. When we got there, I personally saw the muddy footprints he was talking about, and the whole place smelled like a dog that just rolled over in the dirt. His dog wouldn't even come anywhere near the house. He went to show me where the statue was when he left it that night, but it was gone. And when we found it, it was in his hallway, and there was a big crack in the wall, like the statue had been thrown there. Now he swears he never touched the thing and left it in his living room. We did what you said and explained that we were sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Greg also says, you know, I suggest that you actually, as funny as it sounds, I suggest you apologize to it. You tell you that it's you tell that you're sorry for taking it, and you basically try to make you know amends with this thing. So he's, uh, this guy says, "We did what you said and explained that we were sorry for taking it, and that we wanted to give it back to the cave, and asked it what we should do." I don't know if it was the feeling you were talking about, but we both started to feel like we could never go back to that cave again, and so he said we felt like we needed to send it to you. Then, when we were standing in the hallway talking to this thing, his dog started barking like crazy and ran outside. When we went to see what was going on, we both thought we saw a woman standing in the dark corner of his living room. She was totally naked, really old, and dripping wet with water. Her eyes were sort of glowing in the dark. She's hunched over near his shelves. We both freak out and get the fuck out of there. We ran outside... It was in the middle of the day. Whoever it was, wasn't there when we went back inside. So we grabbed the statue, apologized again, and then wrapped it in a pillowcase, put it in a box, 
and now he's going to send it to you. To answer your questions, I didn't see any jewelry or any pictures or anything by the statue when we picked it up. It was just there with a lot of leaves covering everything. There was some broken glass and a cup near the fire. My friend says he thinks there might have been some hair in the cup, but we couldn't tell and I don't remember. We may have just brushed it off without thinking. We don't remember any weird symbols or anything in the cave. There was a lot of twigs piled up around the foot of the statue, but that was it. Now, everybody always has talked about how people go into these parts of the woods to worship the devil and do ceremonies and stuff, even when my parents were kids. The woods not far from here, everybody calls, and the name's omitted here, because of it. I fucking told him to leave the statue there because it's probably some weird ceremony out there, and but he never believed in ghosts or the devil or anything. Right now, the statue is in the trunk of his car at his house. Give me your address, we'll mail it to you tomorrow. If I knew it was going to be this bad, I would have never have had him take I would have never let it out of the cave. Thanks for not calling us fucking idiots and telling us how stupid we are like the rest of the people on the thread. This is the whole reason I used a throwaway name on my Reddit to begin with. So what's weird, you know, is they eventually get the statue up here at the uh, the HQ for Weekend Weird at their house where they have all sorts of totems, statues, haunted items, and stuff like that. And they said they opened up the box, they opened up the stained pillowcase, peeled back the cloth it was wrapped in, and it had rusty nails hammered into the wooden eyes, followed by a noose of tightened rope around the statue's neck, and for whatever purpose it was created for, that purpose must not have been nice. So the figure looked really menacing, but there were a few things they said were kind of confusing about it, because the statue itself looked very old and weathered, as did the nails, but the rope that was wrapped around the neck couldn't have been more than like a year old. So they start trying to figure out what this is, because it's starting to look like it's not so much of a hoax anymore, because you know, of course, in that line of business, you have to go into everything thinking everything's a fake to begin with. Now, what they normally do uh, with everything that comes into the actual museum is uh, they snap a couple pictures of the item, they jot down some notes, kind of make an inventory of it, and then they, you know, go back about their business. So they locked up the house when they left, ran some errands, and when they came back, they started watching a movie. And halfway through the movie, they remember hearing a commotion up in the office where they left the statue. Now, Greg's thinking, okay, we have two cats. They're probably up in the office fighting. That happens all the time. They probably knock something down or knock over a chair. So when he goes up to the office, nothing is askew, and the door had been shut the whole time. So he goes in the office to see what the noise might have been, and then he almost stepped on Jesus, is what he says. So basically what happened is on the wall, he had a crucifix with a little statue of Jesus that was literally nailed into the crucifix, both hands and the feet. Lying on the floor by the, front, uh, by the door of the office was the statue of Jesus. But what was really bizarre is the statue had a broken arm. So on the crucifix across the room, there's one arm of Jesus still nailed to the crucifix. But then Jesus, sans one arm, is laying in the carpeted floor across the room by the door. And weirder yet, the two stakes, the two nails that had been in his other hand and his foot are nowhere to be seen. 
but they do show up again. <laughs> right, right. So they put this thing, you know, in a room and they put a camera on it. And they say that, you know, every couple times they check the tape, they'll notice that when you speed up, um, sorry. So they put it in a room, put surveillance cameras on it, and they record, you know, the statue for days and nothing happens. Every morning they get up, they check the SD card and they've caught nothing except for they get to a point where they notice some really bizarre, you know, motion triggers on this tape. And they watch and they put these three frames together and they can actually clearly see the statue subtly moving on the table it's sitting on. So they're like, holy shit, maybe there's more to the story. And then several weeks, uh, several weeks after that, um, one day Dana goes in the living room and uh, Greg's in the other room and she calls him into the front room and she's like, hey, what's the deal? Like, why did you jump on the back of the couch with wet feet? Did you just jump out of the shower? What's going on? And he's like... Yeah, I haven't met. I got out of the shower a couple hours ago, but on the back seat, on the back of their couch, there are wet footprints. So then, days after that, they start smelling this weird, like mossy pond water smell in the house. And this overall sense of dread starts kind of being cast across uh, everybody that goes in. So they basically say, like, fuck this. They're no stranger to this kind of phenomenon. So he basically grabs a statue, slams it down in the office, and yells at it and says, you know what? You know, if we left you with those asshole hikers, they would have, you know, done God knows what to you. They would have burned you. They would have cut you up, broke you, thrown you away, given you to a priest, had you exercised. But no, you get to stay with us. So now you live in our house and you're going to follow our rules. You're welcome to stay. But if you stay here, you got to, you know... Knock it the fuck off. And so after that, they put it in a quarantine box, basically where no one can touch it and it can't touch anything else, and it's locked away by a literal lock and key. And he said what's really strange is after he gave the speech and slammed it into a box and locked it, they heard the very obvious familiar sound of water rushing down the side of one of the walls in the other room. And they both freaked out because they're like, fuck, we had a pipe burst not too long ago. So they're kind of on high alert anyway, as homeowners do when shit goes south. So they immediately left the room, ran into the room where the broken pipe was, only to have the noise stop. So when they come back in the room after investigating the noise, the statue... uh, Sorry. So as they're walking back to the room where the statue was, they hear a loud thud of something falling down and hitting the floor. The crone statue managed to roll off the table and roll underneath uh, a coffee table. So he got down to the ground, reached under the table to grab the crone, and whenever he got back up, he was met with his wife, uh, Dana, holding the TV with two hands like it had fallen off of a fucking table. And she says the minute that he got down on his knees and stuck his head underneath the coffee table, the fucking TV came off the wall or off the television stand and almost fell on top of him. So that's when they're kind of like, what in the sweet fuck is going on? We had Jesus break off of a crucifix and now a TV has almost fallen down and hit me in the back of the head. After all this happened, they actually had some psychics do some investigations and do some readings off of it, and they discovered that there was actually an entity attached to the statue, but it wasn't a he or a she, it simply was an it. 
And whatever the people had used this thing for, it had been used over and over for different reasons. So for different like ceremonies. So the statue itself was carved by hand, but you know, you had um, you know, nails hammered into this thing's eyes. So they don't know if it was really like a voodoo doll that was being used because the nails were driven in there as a matter, you know, matter of factly. Like somebody had actually put some effort into, you know, nailing these things in there very carefully. They don't really know what the rope was, but they could tell by the age of the statue, the iron nails that you mentioned, and the noose, it had been used, for, you know, over and over on several different occasions occasions. And apparently psychic Chip Coffee came forward and said he believes that it's possessed by the a Babylonian spirit named Marduk, a powerful entity known to have 50 names. And apparently Marduk is oftentimes associated with water. So maybe like a water demon of some kind. So then um kind of on a final bit of the story here once they got him, uh, the statue situated in the museum, they would a lot of times do like uh, live feeds of the statue on the security footage. So you could tune in and actually kind of take a look at the museum and take a look at some of the hot spots. And you could also watch the actual uh, crone statue. And like you mentioned earlier, the crone was near this idol of nightmares. Mm-hmm. And one of these viewers watching this thing reached out and said, Okay, I won't be viewing Billy, the Idol of Nightmares, or the Crone anytime soon on your live feed anymore. The night that I watched it, I stayed up late so that I could, you know, say hello to Billy and wish him well. I'm a former massage therapist with training in Reiki. Once I started my training was when I really started seeing the paranormal. After last night's feed, I stayed up late to wish Billy a hello. At about 4.40ish this morning... I woke up from a dead sleep with the weight of somebody sitting on my back. I figured it might have been our two-year-old daughter. That's how heavy it was. When I moved, I actually felt each leg, like each extra limb, extending to one side of me to stand up and walk away. My whole body was flushed with heat, and I broke out into an immediate goosebump and a sweat. A few moments later, there was a loud bang, followed by my two dogs running into the living room laying from their beds in a dead sleep in our laundry room. The worst part of this is prior to waking up, I was having a dream that a woman was whispering in my ear that Greg swallowed the missing crucifix nails that she had dropped in his mouth while he was asleep. So that's why I'm writing you guys. I'm taking everything with a grain of salt, as I know you both will too. I just wanted to share why I'm not going to be back to sleep tonight, for my daughter's sake, I have to be a bit cautious. I have brought home strays before unknowingly. So as soon as he read the message, you got a little chill. Because just days after the crone arrived at the weird uh, weekend weird HQ and started dropping televisions and desecrating crucifixes, apparently Greg came down with a severe stabbing stomach pain that lasted for mm-hmm. about a week. Mm-hmm. He said the pain was just about enough to make him consider a hospital visit but he never can, he said, I never once considered connecting them to the crone's arrival, not until now. So what did you say about the nails then? Oh, so he went to the doctor and they did a scan of his stomach and they found the uh, missing crucifix nails in the bottom of his stomach. What? Seriously? Yeah. No. Yeah. 
Yeah, he said that uh, he had to get him surgically removed, and uh, like he he thought it was a bunch of shit. But then, like you said, that that lady, because he's like, I don't know, maybe it's like indigestion, heartburn, like whatever, and he let it go. And then that lady brought it up, so he went to the doctor, and he's like, Hey, listen, I just need you to like do like a <clears throat> like an X ray around my stomach area because I've been having these sharp pains, and I think something's in there. And they found the three small crucifix nails in his stomach. Weird. So yeah. that part is not in the story that I just read you, and that, like I said, came directly from Weekend Weird. Yeah, so. I, I uh, listened in on an interview that they did on some of their stuff, and the the, oh. the crone was brought up, and he was like, uh-huh. "Yeah, this is I'll, this is not in like on our website, but I'll tell you guys this story." And oh he, like, wow! It all out. Holy yeah. shit! Okay, <laughs> interesting. Huh. Well, anyway, that's the story of the crone of the Catskills, and yeah. uh, I wanna I wanna again, you know, because this this stuff does make me worry a little bit. I don't want anybody thinking we're jocking off of Greg and Dana because if nothing else, we're huge fans, especially with um, with Hellier, the documentary series. But, you know, I, I typed in the Crown of the Catskills, didn't bother looking at the website, and I read through this thing, and I'm like, fuck, somebody has done their research. This is amazing. Yeah. And then I went to Reddit, and I'm like, well, I can't fucking find anything on the Reddit. So I went back, and then I realized that they had compiled the actual, you know, Reddit text into the website. And then when I read Greg and Dana, I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm just reading straight off of their website. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And she had said in the interview that the reason why it's so aggressive toward everybody Uh is not because, like, it's necessarily an evil spirit, but from, like, spending all this time, because they've had it for, like, a year and a half, two years now. Yeah. That it's it's basically like it wants to get home and it wants it wants to get back to the reason why it's like always like, you know, swampy, you know, swamp water smell is because it's trying to tell them that that's its home. Like its purpose was Mm -hmm. to guard that area or to be an avatar of that area and that they think that the only way that 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 entity is ever going to be happy is if they take it back and bury it like that's the only re- reason why it's being a dick so oh, okay yeah so yeah those guys should have never removed it and they should have just left it there <laughs> <laughs> right holy shit well that's interesting nonetheless and maybe we should do some more reading up on uh the god of uh marduk or marduk or whatever it's called but that's that's no creepy shit. As soon yeah. as I read all that, and I read the fucking name of the demon attached to it, I just immediately thought about you know the the shit up at the, the Museum of Shadows and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah, I'm remiss that I didn't get a chance, or rather, we didn't get a chance to go visit the traveling museum. Uh, but I don't think it came anywhere near us, really. No, it it might have. Well, no, Kansas City it came to the Kansas City area. Did it? But um. That that was going to be an expensive little weekend trip, and I didn't have the money for it. So yeah, well, don't blame me, dude. Don't blame me at all. Well, bud, I think that's a good place to to stick it. You know, we're almost yeah. up on an hour here, and uh, <laughs> yeah, anything else? No you pun intended. Add? Like the the crucifix nails on the <laughs> yeah, that's that part freaked me out because he includes photos of the broken arm of the fucking crucifix and the in the little Jesus statue, and that's pretty that's pretty yeah. creepy shit. I've started collecting odds and ends and oddities and shit like that. And I had a fleeting moment of panic where I'm like, you know, like Shayla gave me that, that taxidermied squid or that preserved squid. And I've recently started collecting, um, dead preserved bugs. Like I have a really cool blue beetle 
mm-hmm. that I got from a farmer's market. And then for our anniversary, Shayla just ordered me a taxidermied bat, like a little, um, a bat, uh, it's a bat the size of like a, a large mouse, you know, it's not huge, but I started thinking like, what if I brought home something creepy from one of these dead animals that I'm going to have hanging up on my wall? Eh, nah, I think you'll be fine. I should be. I should be. Yeah. Good. It's just statues and dolls and weird shit like that. They hit to be. That's more me. Like I'm the one that wants to buy like the weird antique dolls that look like possessed. Like those. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, I just realized. I think you've got something rattling on your desk. Uh, it's just me because we're giggling and, and you know my fat belly is hitting the desk. Oh, is that what it is? Okay, yeah. cool. Well, folks, sorry if if that's a little annoying. I can't edit that out, unfortunately, but. Uh, I just heard it now, so maybe it's okay. Maybe no one's going to worry <laughs> about it. But maybe if, if it's that big a deal, I'm sure we, we earned a mulligan by now. Yeah. Cool. All right, well, um, any ideas what we're going to talk about on the next episode? Did we have anything set out yet? <sighs> no, like, I toss around the idea of doing the Bob Lazar thing, but uh-huh. I try to watch that documentary, and, like, I keep falling asleep. Like, Do you? I don't know. It's not, uh, it's not whisper whisking me away yeah i uh i think it's a lot of uh facts and it's not a lot of like aliens jumping at the screen and you know yeah it's a little more about a little more dry it's good it's a great job you know core i, lo- I love what corbell does for his documentaries yeah. and shit but okay cool so maybe we'll scratch the uh the bob lazar stuff and put that back up on the uh to-do list so yeah mm-hmm. okay cool well no uh no teaser on what the next episode is going to be about it's definitely not going to be about the thieves in the night <laughs> <laughs> not yet but I mean, it'll be something good i'm excited we'll have steve back on steve had the uh took this show off just to relax a little bit after a long week at work so cool man well check out our friends fear and fame up in uh denver up in i'm sorry up in colorado denver's where i'm going on vacation in colorado check out mark's solo cast the pixelated sausage check out his uh, youtube channel where he attacks the backlog and plays a bunch of really old uh, great games. And then check out, uh, I want to give a shout out to another fellow podcast, the Ruckus Sessions podcast. I've only listened to a couple episodes myself recently, but um, these guys are soon going to be joining the ranks of the Episode 100 Club. And I am currently, I always go back and listen to the first episode of most podcasts and then go forward. And I'm on episode four where they're going to be discussing comics, superheroes, and villains. And uh, so far, so good. I, I really enjoy it. So if you guys want to have something on a whole, you know, a whole different flavor, check out mm-hmm. the Ruckus Sessions. I think you guys might enjoy it. And if I don't know any better, because I don't, I think these dudes might be up in Canada. Yeah. The great big country of Canada. Sorry, a weird vehicle just drove by and went on <laughs> the road. So, all right, man, what do you want to plug? Well, as always, if you need a beard, if you want a beard... If you want to grow a beard that'll make the crone of the Catskills a little wet and saucy, check out an oyster. Big Dobbs. <laughs> big, what? I said moister than an oyster. Yeah, moister than an oyster. Check out BigDobsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order. And check out scents like Mint, Dundee, Cedar, Bay Rum, Classic, Sweet Tobacco, citrus you know what you can't go wrong so buy something put it on your man fur and go to town man fur makes me think of pubes <laughs> hell do well, that too you never know use mint you never though. know i would use that mint if that's what i was going to do with it 
<laughs> Put a tingle in your dingle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if nobody's ever gone to the business of doing uh, pubic hair balm, Big Dobbs, man, that might be your next market. <laughs> Okay, we've done enough damage for now. Thanks, guys, so much for listening, and we will catch you all next time around. Stay spooky and stay on the Paranormal Highway. The cast at Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the Paranormal Highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.